PW Hustle Networks present PWR at the Movies. Join the professor, Tommy Wonder, and JB as they discuss the greatest pro wrestling moments in movie history. Soldiers of the new millennium. Almost perfect. Almost human. Almost. They're not responding to our command! Under our control. Now, one will lead them to destroy mankind. The time of man has ended. And one will return. Luke Devereaux the original Universal Soldier. To stop him. <laughs> No, 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 no. Been there, done that. The only way is to blow them up and hope the pieces don't keep fighting us. This summer, it's man against machine. Capture Luke Devereaux. Minimal damage. One soldier against the ultimate warrior. Dangerous. The winner controls the future. Universal Soldier, The Return. This is not your lucky day. Tonight's what's going on there to the Magnificent 7, the Elite 8, the 99, the Terrific 10, the Essential 11. What's going on to the Don of Destruction, Phyllis Scott Wood, Greenpeace, John McKeogan, Phil Schmecknick, the SNX Express, 8-Track Black, the Doctor of Russellnomics, Jeff Lipman. You know who you are when in terms of the Magnificent 7, when in terms of the Reflectionites, what is going on to the Haminites? What's going on to the big Beatles, the PWCites? Hey, Jimmy T, you still owe me some episodes, man. You've been downloading all your shit. You got to download a couple of PWRs. You owe me with interest. Well, that's neither here nor there. But welcome to all the ites, the left rights, the left ites, the right ites, all the ites, the demites, the republites, all ites in between. This is the most nostalgic wrestling podcast on all Podbean streams. This is the PWR podcast here at the PWS Networks at Podbean.com. And I am that oh-so-studious host. I am that oh-so-magnanimous host. I am that oh-so-stupendous host. But most importantly, I am that oh-so-glorious host. The only objective man in the IWC, YWC, Pundit Street. The only objective man in the political spectrum. Your friend of mine, the Professor Chabelle Cruz. 
and I am not here alone. Reflection, I oh, no, 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 no. I can never do this alone because then it would be a retrospective or a perspective. I don't like doing those. I like doing the PWR podcast with my brother from another mother, the conservative liberal, the liberal conservative, Dr. Frankenstein himself, the iron stomach one, the man that was flashing his titties all 4th of July weekend on boats. And he got beads, he got money, he got all of it on one on one flash, if you can believe that or not, Reflection Nights. He is your friend and mine. Hey, Tommy Wonder, how are you doing, my friend? I am good. I'm tired, old, sleepy, and I go back to work. By the time this airs, I will be going back to work tomorrow. And all I'm right. Ready. I'm not ready. He is returning to the working class. But he's always been the working class man. He's the working class podcaster. He is the working class wrestler. But before that, TW, we must talk about it for a little bit here before we talk about what we're going to be doing here at the PWR Podcast. And he is splashing for the YouTubeites out there, his tattoos, extravaganzas. But TW, not only 4th of July weekend, again, last week, Reflection Nights, we took a week off because TW was drunk on a boat, flashing his titties. But before that, I promise the seven of you, I promise the Magnificent Seven, the Elite Eight, the Naughty Nine, the Terrific Ten, that TW, he was at the Leader Caesars Arena. Of course, you know, this is old news now, but again, TW, this is kind of nostalgic now because we're talking about the past. But you was at your very, you broke your cherry. You broke your virgin cherry. You went to an AEW show. You went to Dynamite. You went to Blood and Guts. Your favorite concept, the War Games. So let's condense it, TW. I know you always say I'm not trying to put AEW down. I'm, I'm sure. I am sure you're going to find fault with the episode that you went to. But how was that experience of an AEW show before we talk about going to the movies here on the PWR podcast. Let me preface this right away with since the day I stepped into a wrestling ring and took my first bump, you do not look at wrestling through the same lens as you did before doing that. You're more of a critic. Necessarily that doesn't mean a bad critic. You mm-hmm. you like stuff. You see stuff you're like, hey, most people don't know that guy missed a cue and he made up for it. Or they, because sometimes both guys make up for a miscue. I've said it on here before, you don't ever miss a spot and then do the exact same spot again. And we see that often in today's product on both mm-hmm. brands, right? If not all brands. But but I went there like a, a kid in a candy store. I wanted to go there and enjoy it. Let me give you the pros. The pros? Oh, that's the pro- Wait, that's the prize. You said pros with an S. So there's more than one thing. I'm so happy at least about that. Go ahead. Might not be two. But the the one thing that I absolutely do not like about Raw and SmackDown, if you've ever been to one live, you know when you're at home and and they show like Liv Morgan walking to the ring and it goes to commercial, if you're Mm -hmm. there live, you know the second she gets in that ring and they go to commercial, the lights turn off. Not in the building, but in the ring. The ring goes dark. And then she just sits in the corner, and then right before they go back live on TV, the lights come on, then she's got to act wide awake, and then it goes live to the TV, and we're supposed to think she's been sitting there stretching the ropes the whole two minutes and two seconds, like Chuck Woolery. Right. I loathe it. 
it's so uncomfortable. I actually feel bad for the uh, the people there. Um, that not the people like fans, the people in the ring when they got to sit there like an mm-hmm. asshole for two minutes and two seconds. Um, they did do that one time, but it wasn't um, the lights going on. They left them on. What they did was they went to the stage and and Tony Khan or or Justin, what's the guy that got his Justin neck tie? Justin Roberts. They they're like cheerleaders, like rah rah. Have you been to AEW live yet? No. Okay. So they're like cheerleaders the entire night, right? Like, so they're hyping they're hyping the fans up, right? While so going they, so they don't do that dark shit. Mm-hmm. And we both know Raw and AEW. Now, when a match is live and goes to a commercial, they just do picture picture. But mm-hmm. the one thing they did not do, at least I, I didn't realize they did it. They did was they didn't go dark in the arena while we went commercial. And I could see the camera was red and green, so I knew when it was live on TV and when it was not on TV, right? Mm-hmm. But they did stuff in between, so I like that. Also, I guess there's two pros. I like that Justin made you feel like. There's a reason you came there, because we could all just stay at home and watch it on TV for free, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things they had was just like, who wants to see a referee versus a referee when they were surrounding the ring for that two-ring battle royal? for? Because uh, that was long. The breakdown of Dynamite to Rampage, Rampage. Yeah. was so long, right? Just brutal long. But he was like, hey, guys, want to see referee? And called two referees in the ring who both looked like, what? <laughs> but he goes, in a, in a match of paper, rock, scissors, which was a nice swerve because I'm like, these better not start running spots, right? Because this show would be all me bitching about referees running spots in a live show, not on TV. But mm-hmm. the problems, there are just thousands of them, man. I like First things first, wouldn't you agree, most people would say, there would be some people who would disagree because I don't think the best wrestlers are in AEW, but pound for pound roster-wise, most people would say AEW has a the best roster, right? Like, because of quantity. They got Not, depth. Yeah, they got depth. Depth, depth mm-hmm. right. So, if you were going to a show, wouldn't you think there's a pretty good chance you're going to be able to buy merch for your favorite wrestler? Yeah. Yeah. They had shirts for about five guys. The That's Elite? It. No. They had an Adam no. Cole shirt, and it was the one I want. That had like the AC logo that he wears, where his face isn't on it. It's not a mm-hmm. cannonball or thumbs up. It's just, it's just his logo. Okay. Sold out. Every single merch sold out. Now you would think, well, that's good. It's because they didn't have much. Like everyone was walking around going, dude, I went to this one, this one. I wanted that little micro brawler, Adam Cole, because it was fourteen ninety nine there. It's nineteen ninety nine plus shipping if you'd have bought it from ringside tees and all that. So they just absolutely mm-hmm. unprepared. There was no Sting merch. Uh, the only Christian merch was another one of the micro brawlers. They had, they had Cody Rhodes micro brawlers. I was going to buy that and Adam Cole. All of it sold out. And they only had like three or four of each. Then they had the AEW figures that you can buy at Target. But either John Moxley signed it uh, or Hangman. No Hangman merch. No Kenny Omega merch. No mm-hmm. Jericho merch. It, it was like, are you kidding? There was AEW shirts that looked like Raw, but it said AEW instead of Raw. I'm like, is that a rib? What the fuck is that? Like, but there were no black AEW shirts like you would think, right? There was just oh, an really? AEW, yeah, there was an AEW hoodie that was black, but not like their logo type shit. It was you know, it was you weird. know what's the 
the the problem with AEW when it terms of merch is they're working in conjunction with pro wrestling tees, not at and the lot other of merchandise. Because no, the shirt for the for the wrestlers themselves to get more of the of the pot right, of right. it. No, no, that's I why they're not doing that. anything with it. So what I ended up doing was I ordered a shirt from Pro Wrestling Tees that was Adam Cole that wasn't available there. They didn't have the shirt that I, was there that I wanted. The mm-hmm. shirt there would have been thirty five bucks. I fucked up and forgot to put in the twenty percent off code for for Fourth uh, of July week or whatever the hell they were calling it. Right. So I still ended up paying twenty uh, percent more than I would have. But I still paid less to order the shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com. It's a, it's like an American flag, not American flag, but it's Adam Cole, and it's like got red, white, and blue shit all. It's, it's awesome. And I'm like, well, okay. fuck, this is good because I'd rather have this shirt. I still right. don't have it. I ordered it on June 30th. It is July 12th as we record this. I still don't have it. It they takes about it. it takes about three to four weeks for delivery. It took me a while to get a get yeah. an AEW shirt. I even yeah. posted that once. I well, said, you know why? Because they don't make it until you order it. Right. That's you what it is. We're like, all right, this shit sells a lot. Let's make a few of them. And then they can blow them out. I had a straight AEW. I have an AEW straight shirt. And I posted on Facebook one. I think I did it on PWS. I said, it took Mark Henry to come into the building to get his AEW shirt. It took right. a professor four to five weeks to get his. Right. It really does. It takes a long yeah, past time. It was time. insane. I um, but that was that. Um, also, there's a pro and con to this. I liked that they used local guys for the dark matches or elevation. I'm not sure. I saw guys that I've seen locally here mm-hmm. wrestle. Okay? Right. That but makes here, sense. Here, here's, here's another critique. And they did it on Rampage, they did it on Dynamite, and they did it on, on Elevation. I understand those are going to air at different times. I do. Mm-hmm. But don't insult the people in the building, okay? You know, we always talk about, I always say, well, there's a promo that gives credence to Vince having writers because there's a bunch of guys saying a bunch of nothing. Some guys okay. are natural promo guys. Some guys suck, and they need a writer. And that's what we need is a happy medium, like when you, it came out that, that Triple H let Swerve do his own promos because they're like, we're never going to write for them the way they want to express themselves. Just let them go. And they did, okay. and it worked, right? They weren't the greatest of promos, but they were authentic, if you will. All right? Three matches in a row, Professor, had the exact same tag spot where a guy went to tag the other guy, the guy hit his partner, then popped the other guy and then tagged his partner in. Not distracted the ref, not like that, but the exact same spot. Three matches in a row. Then... Eddie King, I think Eddie Kingston did it. I can't remember. He's my least favorite person on the planet, for the record. Uh, the Young Bucks did it. And by the way, the worst of them all. And then whoever did the tag match for Elevation Dark or Rampage did it. It wasn't three matches in a row. But I, I have to think that in the back they're going, hey, you know how Eddie Guerrero did the three suplexes in a row? And everybody yeah. and their brother <laughs> does the three suplexes in a row as a tribute to Eddie? You'll only mm-hmm. see one person doing WWE, and I don't even know who that is. Three different matches. Not only did they do it, they did six. And it yeah, was the Young Bucks match. usually do six. Yeah, the Young well, Bucks. The Young do Bucks the was the worst because they did it last because it was on ramp uh, Rampage, not Dynamite. So the mm-hmm. ones that did it in the opener was uh, Best Friends. No, no, not Best Friends. I, it might have been. I don't. 
It was a it huge. doesn't matter, but you saw it three anyway, times with three. They just did six. Mm-hmm. Then the next guy does seven. And then the Young Bucks do six, but then the other Japanese guy comes in, and one little tiny-ass fucking 87-pound Young Buck did a double Northern Lights to the two of them together at the same time. And I just thought, what the fuck? If anyone ever says they love the Young Bucks, but fuck John Cena, Super Cena, I will, I will personally fight them in a parking lot. Because if you're calling him Super Cena, what the fuck do you call a little mighty-ass mouse Young Buck? Not the balding one, the other one. The one with yeah. the, the most annoying one, the dark-haired one. Always oh, chewing yeah. gum. But how the fuck does that guy take two debuting Japanese guys and does a double Northern Lights on them after doing the other one five times already? But the crowd popped. They popped for it, T.W. Yeah, by the end of the night, the crowd was fucking piped in because half these uh, more people stayed for Rampage than people stayed for 205 Live. I'll just get that out of the way. But mm-hmm. it, A, wasn't sold out. The top of, of the arena across from me was like, so picture a hockey rink. It was tarped from, off. From goalie to goalie was tarped off just one section of the top. Okay. Then then the whole middle where the camera is, mm-hmm. there was no one there. Like spread out people. My guess is those are expensive tickets. You're not, the camera's not pointing at you. It's under you, like above you. Like you're under it. That whole section was barely anybody there. It was like pep, salt and pepper, but it wasn't tarped off. Like, I thought maybe they tarped it off for production, you know? But I'm like, why? And then the whole upper part behind the stage, not the top, just everything above the stage mm-hmm. was, was, was tar- not tarped off, but empty. And you know how you go a circle in the arenas like an oval? They, AEW doesn't sell those tickets. They, for their construction, they kind of, like, leave that off for but some you, reason. You 100% could see the matches from there. The upper, mm-hmm. not... Section two hundred, not or mezzanine, not not the two hundred section. That I get you, was, I get was, you, I get you. I understand. But I'm like, you can see the shit, but you couldn't walk the circle of the arena on the upper level. You could on the okay. floor, but the mm-hmm. upper level they blocked it off like they did the O'Hare Arena when I was there for Great American Bash because that was production backstage. It wasn't even production, right? But you had wrestlers going out there and probably fucking talking shit, whatever. But anyway, all that stuff in one night. It started at seven. It ended at almost midnight. That's it's too long. They they need to do dark or elevation on fucking Tuesday in Orlando or something or wherever Jacksonville because they do people, sometimes people people were dying in that place because it was there so long and they cut off like beer and stuff at a certain point because of the the laws and stuff. But right, it it was way too much. And then that that cage match, uh, it made me. Question, if War Games was ever here, and I had never seen NXT Live before, and I had a chance to go, I might not go, because I saw so much wrestlers just sitting around like this while the people were fighting in one ring. Not resting. They knew they weren't on camera, so they just sat there watching the other. Like, not selling. They weren't, they weren't laying down and waiting for their spot? Some of them were laying down. Dude, Jack Swagger slid mm-hmm. between the ring and the gate. And at one point, I saw everyone when it was over, except Jack Swagger. And I'm like, where the fuck is Swagger? It's you almost see, like he said, oh, my spots are done. You, 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 see Reflection Nights, you see Reflection Nights, the seven of you, the, 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 the hardcore seven, this is objective. 
I'm, the, I'm objective. I'm the most objective there, but this is an objective viewpoint from somebody who saw AEW that you will never hear because AEW uh, peons or AEW martards will actually say how the show is way better than Raw. It probably is. It, 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 don't get me wrong, because I've been to a lot of Raw and SmackDowns, and it's boring as fuck, too. But a, a, people say AEW shows are fun from the start to the finish, and I've always heard this one critique about AEW, TW, and you hit it on the head. It's it's a it's a marathon. It's it's enduring. You got to have a great endurance to enjoy something. So it is what it but, is. But if it wasn't my first time there, I probably would have left. I'm like, fuck it. I'll watch this on TV, right? Right. But but Jack Swagger ended up. He was under the ring. He crawled under the ring and just probably took a fucking nap. And, oh, then, and then woke up. Went shit. I should probably get out there. Cesaro laid between there for a while. Like they were trying to get out of camera. So at least those two were pros. To, to know to stay out of camera when they're just laying there doing nothing. But, dude, the guys who weren't, like, you know, the ending was Jericho, Cesaro, Kingston, and the fat fucking 2.0 guy. They were mm-hmm. at the top of the cage. Everyone else was in the second ring that they weren't above just chilling like this, Sammy Garcia. But one of those dudes, I think it was the, the, the skinnier 2.0 guy, he took a superplex from Eddie Kingston Onto the fucking wood because they pulled the ring off. Mm-hmm. Neither one of them ever did another spot. It hurt both of them. And then Eddie climbed that cage, and you could see he was dying. And then when he was on right. the top of the cage, you see him go, I can't stand up, bro. My back, it's gone. But I'm all right. I'm all right. But it, all right. It, it was dangerous. And then I looked around. The two things I called, I look around. I'm like, well, no one's getting thrown off the cage today because there's no crash pad. I go, unless it's that weird-ass-looking table. That the, the, big, the big ass table that you saw, yeah, it was the With one the, where Justin Roberts and the ring bell guy, and there was one other person. There. It was conveniently right. high and conveniently heavy and slope, yeah, slope for a time it, was, it wasn't it wasn't wide. It was hit or mm-hmm. miss that shit. But um, right. so when they when they did that, um, that was, was the like, product. Oh, there it is. I go there it is, and then I also called the second. Uh, Swagger and Cesaro squared off against each other. I go to my buddy. I go. I'm surprised they're not chanting "We the People" yet. And like four seconds later, "We the People." And that's when I wrote on the the page, AEW fans, WWF sucks. Also, AEW fans, "We the People." We mm-hmm. the People. But uh, it it was fun. You could tell the people uh enjoyed themselves there. Um, other, I mean, the the, the merch really bothered me because like. How do you not come to the very first time in Detroit? And he said he'd been trying to come to Detroit for a while um, and finally got in. Brandy Rhodes got him in. Um, and he wants to come back. I love that because I kept saying, how are they going to explain there being two rings on Rampage when they try to act like it's not the same night? So I love that they introduced that that Rampage Rumble or whatever they called it. Mm-hmm. But the one dumb thing about it was it was two separate 10-man battle royals where – they couldn't cross ring the ring. There should right. have been some. There should have been at least one spot. They were tr- where, trying not to copy something and try to be innovative right. at the same time. Right. So it is what it is. So, but, but, the, but it was only twenty guys. That's that's the problem. Like at least do twenty five on each side. And then Sting comes out in full makeup, full gear, just to walk Darby Allen to the ring and at least. And I'm like, what the that's, fuck? It. that's it. No fucking Adam Cole or Roddy Fish. He and was hurt. Hangman came out, did not have a huge pop. Um, when he got eliminated, 
uh, people were like, oh, but then quickly got over it. There was mm-hmm. another guy that when he got eliminated, people were mad. It, it might have been Darby. Um, yeah, but it been. I, I like that. But the worst thing of all is obnoxious. And I know there's out there people right now I would suck his dick for free. But as obnoxious as everyone who's not stuck up to his ass, as obnoxious as Tony Khan comes across on TV, multiply it by one million and then double it. That's how worse he is live because he came out damn near every match. Come on, come on, let's go, come on. It, it was people, I'm surprised people are like, shut the fuck up because it was every second you look up, he comes out. I'm He's trying to sell his product for I the TV it. audience. He's trying he to sell that. He didn't need to. I understand coming out and rah, rah, rah when they go live. They do that at every WWE event I've ever been to. Hey, we're going live in five seconds, four, three, two, one. And then they'll go live for two seconds after that because they want to mm-hmm. already cheering. Um, but, dude. Okay, we're going a little bit over time, TW. Right. So let me put an end to this. Do this you, with, your, with your hand. This, would, this, or this. It's, it's this. It's incomplete okay. because I have to go back. Because the reason I went, oh, by the way, the guy who I like second least now, probably third, he's almost down to third, mm-hmm. Dean Ambrose, hands down, biggest pop of the night. Cesaro had a good one, but Ambrose came through the crowd from the opposite side of the damn building. That place was deafening the second he came out until it started the match. And uh, okay. But but I I would say it's, it's this because... The guy who I wanted to hear the pop live, because I still think, I thought, Adam Cole and Hangman Page got the two pops. Every time I watch that show, those two guys get the biggest pop. Mm-hmm. It, 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 might, it might be Moxley, right? And I even called him Moxley. But at the end of the day, um, if I were you, and they come to your town, and I, you know, I'll let you know the next time they come to Detroit, because they tell us here before they tell the public, right? If it's mm-hmm. three months from now, I'll tell you. If they come, I would I would rather go like they did in Chicago. I would rather go to Rampage Live on Friday at a different venue and go to Dynamite Live on Wednesday than go to both in the same night. It, it's too much. I hate a three-hour Raw, too. I hated it, that. It, it is what it is, but it's expensive to you know rent the arena for two different dates. But with either that... It is, but they got one fucking roster, dude. It's okay. Of course, but... We went a little bit over time, but TW needed to at least get his diatribe out there, Reflectionites. So glad that you bared with us for that because I, I promised the Reflectionites, the seven that are so loyal that listen to this, that we needed an objective outlook of an AEW Dynamite show. But now let's do what we do best, TW. Go nostalgic. Go back to 1999 as we do PWR at the movies as we review. The Universal Soldier, The Return, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, and a debuting actor, if you will, T.W., and he got a big role here, you know, in my humble opinion, and that was WCW's own Bill Goldberg. Now, before we even talk about the movie, the plot, and all that stuff, it it is a hokey, you know, reflection, it's a hokey action film, and of course, when you know that Jean-Claude Van Damme is in it, T.W., it's all about martial arts. It's all about the karate chops. It's all about the kicking. So if you haven't seen a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, Reflection Dice, that's basically every Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. And my favorite Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, TW, is Bloodsport. Universal Soldier, 
quite surprisingly, Reflectionites, if you haven't watched it, and I didn't, this was like the first time I actually watched it fully. I've seen like little bits and pieces of it on YouTube just for effects. It's okay. I mean, if you have nothing on HBO Max, if you have nothing on Cinemax or Showtime, and this pops up on your TV, I say, you you know, it's an hour and 30 minutes, and it's not a waste of, of your life, in my humble opinion. But, T.W., before we even talk about the movie, let's look at the business end of it, per se, T.W. 1999, you know, the Monday Night Wars was going along, streaming along. You know, both when you combine, we talked about this on previous PWR podcast, Raw and Nitro going live head-to-head. If you combine those numbers themselves, sometimes, Reflection Nights, and you can go back, because I'm not not lying here, TW, they beat a Monday night football game when you know combined. when there was two teams that really it didn't matter. So Raw and Nitro kind of took advantage of that before the NFL got, you know, got wind of it and then fixed their schedulings, if you will. But TW, that part, you know, with the Monday Night Wars streaming along. It would behoove WCW, it would behoove WWE to, you know, filter their stars on, you know, doing special appearances on Mad TV, special appearances on Saturday Night Live, special appearances on Regis and Kelly, uh, special appearances on Good Morning America. So WCW has this diamond in the rough in Bill Goldberg. And think about this. This movie came out in August of 1999. So he was filming this, like, let's say in the first calendar year of 1999 because after the the figure poke of doom bill goldberg was actually not on tv for a while you know he did a pay-per-view in 1999 here or there but that's it he didn't do like like weekly nitros he didn't do weekly thunders he was kind of off you know they allowed him to film his scenes but tw what say you because you have to take advantage of your golden goose and bill goldberg whether you liked his in-ring abilities or not, T.W., if you didn't like his promo abilities, we can critique all that to the high heavens. But you got to take advantage of your, your golden goose and Bill Goldberg being cast in this movie, Universal Soldier. And it's not like it's a B. I'm not going to say it's not like a it's not like a B movie. It's not a Joe Bob Briggs movie that you see on Mystery Science Theater 3000. It didn't permit. No, if you see it in 2020, Deuce, yes, that's a Joe Bob Briggs <laughs> Mystery Science Theater 3000 thing. But for 1999 purposes, TW, I'm being objective. John Claude Van Damme, you know, he was still a, a draw. movie icon ish. It was a draw. Real. He was a draw. So it would be who John Club and not to, you know, incorporate the golden goose of Bill Goldberg. What say you about using Bill Goldberg for the, <clears throat> this is his acting debut, if you will. It's if, if we're talking about just that, absolutely 100% the right thing to do. It's uh, he's a massive human being, uh, probably not as popular as he was a year or two before. Um, but they probably booked this a year or two before before finally getting into production. Um, same thing, John Claude's not exactly riding the lightning anymore as he was late eighties, early nineties. But still, like he's got gray hair on the side a little bit, but mm-hmm. John Claude. But another person a little a little past her peak. But the person I saw on my screen immediately as the credit as the credits going. And I got to skip the intro. That was good, like watching the series. I was like, oh, 
first thing I got to do is thank Professor for this, because who's riding, bitch, on the back of Jean-Claude's boat? Kiana Tom, come on! B-movie actress Kiana Tom, yes. No, no, ESPN Fitness in the morning. Everyone's fucking, every teenager's first fucking whack at the fucking punch in the clown started with Kiana Tom on body shaping on ESPN. Her or Corey Everett, take your pick. But it, okay. Kiana Tom is legendary. I, I, I didn't, listen, she's so beautiful. I didn't even want to look her up to see where she is now because I don't want it ruined. I will remember her for, because that's 20 three years ago probably 24 from when they started filming it but the bottom line is i was like all right professor's got me watching this junk but at least it's got kiana tom in it and she's she's right up there now she's now officially my favorite bad actress mark Wahlberg's my number one bad actor she's number two bad actress number one bad actress if this is if this is 23 years ago Kiana Tom should be a MILF right now. She should be a GILF. She should be in her 50s or 60s looking also uh, like fine wine. If you want to see her up, I'm just saying. I'm not doing it. I mean, she's not as well. They they take it to the grave looking good, bro. But of course they do. I'm, I'm, I'm 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 not knocking her, but it's just. I don't I don't think Trish Stratus today looks as good as she did 23 years ago. I don't like her nose job she got. I get it. She's hanging on. She's probably in the best shape of her life physically right now. She's kept it together, but she was just more attractive to me when she was in uh, the the the, what you, the Monday Night War. Shit. Mm-hmm. The Attitude Era. So when you look at this TW, the Universal Soldier Return, technically, if I'm correct, this is a sequel to the 1992 or 1993 Universal Soldier. So that does mean that it might not have been a box office smash like in the hundreds of billions of dollars, but it made enough money to incorporate a sequel, if you will, because I know they've made like five of them over the years, but the, the next kind of couple were made for TV or made for cable. So Wasn't those, this one on TBS or TNT, like they were promoting it during Nitro no, and Raw? It, it was Raw, promoted Nitro. because of two reasons. One, Bill, Bill Goldberg's in it. Two, Bill Goldberg, the, the theme song of Universal Soldier was Megadeth, and, they, and Goldberg in 1999 came in with the Megadeth theme song, and people hated it for some strange reason. And he's trying to do what's best for business, T.W. He's trying to – he might have not like – you know, let's talk about that for a second. Do you remember um, Megadeth uh, Goldberg entrance theme, Crush Him? No? Yeah, yes, 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 yes. But I think that by then the, the writing was on the wall that they were fucking – they were going south. It, it was well, – it was Not only like they were going south, them. not only they were going south, but T.W., you know, before again, t- reflection nights. We we you know how we do with the PWR at the movies. We're not gonna talk about the whole movie because that's kind of I don't want to bore you to death. But anyway, right. but Bill Goldberg in explaining it, you kind of write with the night you know a year too late because 1998, Bill Goldberg was arguably WCW Wrestler of the Year, being the you know undefeated, being the heavyweight champion, defeating Hulk Hogan, the Georgia Dome. 1999, he had to you know go into that finger poker doom angle. Then he, you know, he wins like one match against Kevin Nash. That's why I said he kind of disappeared to film this stuff. So you're kind of half right here because the momentum on wrestling terms was kind of waning down a little bit because, and then you give him, you, you ask him to come down with the Megadeth song. Now, TW, you remember Goldberg's original WCW theme. 
in yeah. comparison to crush them they still use it in wwf right they use it because it's iconic for right. bill goldberg it's right. it's right it's like rick flair rick flair's theme song from you or know steamboat coming out to that right that that Teenage Wasteland. Every, every wrestler has that certain iconic entrance music that you can. If you hear Warrior. something different, it's weird. It doesn't right. follow suit. So Goldberg already, you have that one iconic theme song. Then you ask him to because it's business. You ask him to come down to Mega Death's Crush Him. He'll say, "Okay, pay me. I don't give a damn." He, you know, like you said, he's in. He's doing it for the money. He's a businessman, but he doesn't understand how it's affecting his character. It's, it's affecting his business. It's, it's bottom line because when I heard it, TW, I was like, eh, yeah, okay, I can hear it once, but let's go back to but, the, the but, Bill Gold like, persona. But it doesn't sound like Goldberg. It's like at least when Triple H's music changed uh, and, and Motorhead started doing it, it still was like a take on that song, but mm-hmm. their version of it. And, right. and then, you know, Walls uh, Jericho uh, he kind of went back and forth, keeping the same song, but like you could tell the DX music people made Jericho's song too. Like, like mm-hmm. at least it sounded similar, and it wasn't just fucking one minute you're coming out to heavy metal, and the next minute you're coming out to classic jazz. Well, you know, Jer- Jericho's a great, great example of adaptation because he's got like four theme songs that everybody can uh, recognize right. with him. But Goldberg Hogan. had one. Hogan is the one yeah. that because you had Eye of the Tiger. The Saturday Night Main Event theme, uh, Real mm-hmm. American, and then the NWO theme. Like, every yeah. single one of them comes on. People go, Hogan, Hogan. Yeah. There, there's no doubt. But Goldberg had one. He didn't have two. So that's what I'm trying to say. So right. let's try to get into this movie. This is the sequel to Universal Soldier. So you got Jean-Claude Van Damme, TW. You got Russia. Bill Goldberg. And I like the name they, they, they had him cast as. He was Romeo. That's it. Yeah. Just plain yeah. old Romeo. But but there was another uh, actor here that I, I forgot he was in this. And it was Black Dynamite himself, Michael Jai White. Now, T.W., let, let's Spawn. The, he was, well, well, Spawn sucked. But, yeah, he is Spawn, too. He's still Spawn. Yeah, he's still Spawn. But and, I, All the, I the, thought when I saw him there, especially in that, that gear he wore, Black mm-hmm. Panther. Like, if you're going to replace him. Obviously, it's too late now because he doesn't look the same. He'd be an old-ass man uh, mm-hmm. doing it. But he would have been an awesome Black Panther. Could have or Blade. Yeah, yeah. But I, I didn't think of Spawn. I didn't think of Black Panther. I just thought Black Dynamite. That's what I, I wanted him at the Afro. And every karate scene that uh, Michael Jai White did, I went, that's all I, that's all I thought in my head. That's why I enjoyed this he did it. He did the Trish Stratus Matrix spot, too. Yes, he yes he did. Let's get into the premise of Universal Soldier for reflectionists that don't know. Universal Soldier is based upon a theory, T.W., that certain soldiers like Jean-Claude Van Damme served his country in the, I believe it was the Vietnam War, and he died. Then, of course, the greatest government in the world, the U.S. government, takes all their dead soldiers and, and brings them back to life. You know, they find a way to bring them back to life, resurrect them. They're called Unisouls. It's short for Universal Soldiers. Supposedly, the Universal Soldiers have no conscience, no reasoning, no nothing. They only look one... Killing machine. They only have... What's that? 
Killing machines. Yeah, they are killing machines. They have one purpose and one purpose only, to find, conquer, and destroy, and repeat. Not like Brock Lesnar, but that's the same thing. But Jean-Claude Van Damme was the only hiccup in this Unisoul project. That he had a conscience, he had memories, and he didn't like what he was doing. So now we get into this TW, Universal Soldier, The Return. He's got all that. It's kind of funny because the logic doesn't work. You resurrect him to become this killing machine. He gets all this stuff. But technically here, anything that was in him, any kind of machinery that was in him is off. But he lives like a normal life. I find that kind of strange. That's just maybe me nitpicking and trying to understand science and logic. Yeah, that's a plot hole. There's no science when we're reanimating human beings, dude. That's that's all I'm saying. I, I was right. just kind of I was dumbfounded that he suspension is suspension and mis disbelief. Yes, I, I can I can be suspended with disbelief, T.W. But he was resurrected with machinery in him to do what he was supposed to do. But then they took it out, and he could live a normal life. And he has a daughter in this particular movie. That was funny to me too. So he was fucking the, the sperms were were Oof. live, right? And she's not the age of someone born during Vietnam. She's the age of someone born. 15 years after Vietnam. That, that's what I'm trying to say. There's a lot of plot holes. or Maybe, I, again... It's probably how nit- her mom died. It's the like nitpicking, Superman T.W. blowing the load and Wonder Woman and killing her. But the beginning, <laughs> T.W., is your favorite scene because it involves Jean-Claude Van Damme on a boat with your favorite, your first whack job, Kiana Tom, and they were doing these special exercises <clears throat> with the Unisols, the, the secondary, uh, the second-generation Unisols. They were faster... They were stronger. They were quicker. They were more, you know, ready to kill. They were, you know, less, you know, they, they, they fixed all the plot holes that, that affected Jean-Claude Van Damme. These were killing machines to the umpteenth degree. But supposedly Jean-Claude Van Damme was controlling them, you know, was not like controlling them behind the scenes, but he was one of the IT operators, if you will. So he knew how to control them, you know, I guess with the remote control or whatever. But, T.W., these exercises was was run by Bill Goldberg. He's introduced here as one of the, the ringleaders, if you will, as Romeo. And, T.W., you know, when you looked at the beginning scene, I was like, wow, we got action already in the first three minutes. We got the credits. You got titties. And you got action. You got bombs and all this stuff, CW. What say you about the first three minutes? You, it was action-packed. You wasn't. If you was at the movie theater, you couldn't say, "I gotta go to the bathroom," or "I'm gonna get some right. popcorn." You're gonna miss some plot. You know, some plot lines here. What say you about the first three minutes? I know after you cleaned yourself off with a towel after Kiana time. What say you about the first three minutes? It, it was very cool, and I mean, there's a scene where the dude gets shot like five times, and it, and they show it like the bullets are going through the bulletproof vest. He flips mm-hmm. off the water, grabs the rope, and then he's water skiing with no skis, and then about to throw a grenade at him, but Sean Claude shoots him because Keanu's like, "Hey, what about that guy?" Mm-hmm. Um, and people are just coming out of nowhere. You don't really know that they're Universal soldiers, other than you're watching that movie, um, and then. First big problem with this movie is... Oh, there's a problem. Here it comes. But I can explain it. But you okay. don't know it at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Jean-Claude and her just... They steal the sea jet boat. They beach it into the woods. Don't hit a tree. Don't get ejected. Nothing. And they start hauling ass. And I'm like, damn, dude, did he leave her behind? And two mm-hmm. seconds later, she's tied to a tree. And I'm like, okay. 
first of all, he's running like he forgot he had somebody with him. And second of all, why doesn't she run it just as fast? Well, because she wasn't a universal soldier yet, but you had to find that out way later. Um, mm-hmm. And then he realized she's gone, and that's the first cheese fucking bad script writing fucking moment. He's like, eh, and then go almost fourth wallish looking at the camera. Then he goes back to save her, and instead of cutting her off, he's staring at her boobs like he's never seen boobs before. Uh, yet he's supposed to be alive enough. Oh, long oh enough wait, wait, wait. Here's another plot hole or nitpicking that I would do because you're talking about the boobs. Yeah. Who opened the boobs? It was Goldberg. Goldberg. Was so wait rape. a minute. Yeah. If, if no he concept. was a kill, if he was, if these unit soldiers were killing machines, why are they horny? Why is Bill Goldberg a horny killing machine? Right. That's a plot hole to me. You, it's supposed to be kill, kill your enemies or you know eradicate them, not fuck them, not rape them. What's saying right. TW? I mean, that's a plot hole in my pick, in my opinion. Yeah, and then. You're looking like, holy shit, they're about to kill Von Damme. And all I thought was, okay, we're about to find out he's a universal soldier, right? And then mm-hmm. it's like, cut! like, And it was a practice thing. And then they did the intro for the movie, and it said, skip intro. So I did. And you got me watching on Tubi. I got to say this. Not only was there cussing, it was titties. They went to the, of course they went to the strip club, right? Of course. But, uh, but yeah, so really high, intense, action-packed. And then the, the very first cheesy line of all. Kiana Tom looks at Romeo and goes, I know he's dead already, but if he ever does that to me again, I'll kill him. And it's like, come on, man. And it's just downhill from there. It is. It is. I don't want to shit on this movie because we've watched way worse zombies versus wrestlers. Uh, Cough, cough. But it's, it's so bad that I cannot believe it's 1999 because it didn't even cross my mind that this would be Joe Bob Briggs worthy until you said it. But that would have been 88, not 99, right? So it's bad for 99. Like, like you're literally thinking this is an 80s movie the entire time you're watching it. And, and I have to ask the question, because I haven't watched enough Van Damme movies to have an opinion right here, right now, because I've mm-hmm. seen him, but over the years. I didn't think he was bad in The Expendables when he was the bad guy in that. Um, but That's 2013, that, though. But no, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, I don't always think he's a bad actor. But in this, I'm like, fuck, is he this bad? And I just never noticed before. Or yeah, is it he the is. writing, or is it the writing, or is it both? It's because both. you know who's worse than him? Who? It's Goldberg. He's just got nothing but one-liners, and they're horrible. They're like not just the the wording. I hate that guy. He says it like 19 times after taking 97 bumps. Uh, and he just says it over and over again. He can't be killed. Um, all that stuff. So it's it's if if you're if you're gonna pick apart Von Damme having a kid and him wanting to look at his boobies, then you don't want to watch this movie because you have to one thousand percent suspend your disbelief because otherwise you'll be like, what the fuck? I enjoyed it. So normally this is where I say I watch this. You don't have to. I would watch it, and I'll probably watch it again if it comes across my TV and I ain't doing nothing. Probably mostly for Kiana Tom, who disappears in the middle of the movie, by the way. She gets babysitting duty. Um, mm-hmm. But I did do something. The news reporter chick that and the daughter, both of them haven't been in shit since 02 and 05. That's, that's the last time they were in something. I, I, Actually, I like the fact that you like to Google these, act, these actors and actresses to right. see if they got work afterwards. Right. And they, well, 99. Actually, I don't even know if the daughter made it to 05. 
the same year she's in this movie's 99, she got a part in Charm. My mm-hmm. ex-fiance watched Charm every freaking day of her life. I've never seen that girl before. So she was on well, Charm. She grew up. She had no, to be in her the same year. Oh, okay. Year. She would have looked exactly the same. I don't remember being a little kid on that show. But it maybe, she like was, maybe she was behind. Time. She was in the background, you know, on the lunch counter or something. I don't know. I, I never watched it. But yeah. let me let me try to like enhance the plot, if you will. You know, not talk about the one-liners because we'll talk about Bill Goldberg's acting chops here in, in a little bit because we're gonna condense this. But the premise of Universal Soldiers: The Return TW and to the Reflectionites is. You talked about the exercise that they were doing, you know, to train these unis, unisoles to be better, to be in tip-top, you know, condition for future missions for the U.S. government. There was one problem, though, T.W. The government was doing budget cuts. This was those damn uh, Democrats cutting up the budgets for the Republican war games. But neither here nor there. I don't want to get political here. But they were going to cut the universal universal uh unisol uh fighting program so guess who got wind of it the computer named seth you know it stood for something it stood i actually have it right here i think i have it seth stands for self-evolving thought helix so he was the brain he was brainiac the computer he had a he had a he had a he had a kind of nice relationship with Jean Claude Van Damme's daughter, you know, while he was behind the computer. But of course, T.W. This wouldn't this wouldn't be a plot. This wouldn't be an interesting plot. The interesting plot is Seth knew that the government was going to shut him down and turn him off and be offline forever. Seth couldn't have that. So what was he doing behind the scenes? He was working on getting a body, a body, so he could take the brain from him. To be, you know, to be in this body, and the body belonged to Black Dynamite's own Michael Jai White. So he went from sounding like a white guy on the computer screen, and that sounds like a brother. What do you know? I knew that was Michael Jai White the entire time he was talking, and it did sound like he was trying to sound like Max Headroom or something. He didn't okay. sound like no damn white guy. He, but no, it I sounded like a white guy. For you, when okay. That movie opened up. It had Michael Jai White from the behind, like from the back chained mm-hmm. up did you think that was wesley snipes like i did no or you because you've seen it before i literally yeah. thought oh shit wesley snipes is in this too and then when i seen michael jai white was seth i was like oh that's michael jai white but i swore it was for uh like because blade's not far from that year i don't know what year uh, blade came out but it 99 no, ain't far. they're they're like uh late two already came out so this was this was this was either after Blade Two but before Blade Three. That's that's the timeline. Wesley here. Snipes was fucking shredded like that. I never mm-hmm. knew Michael Jai White was that shredded. Oh yeah, you know he he was he was a karate aficionado himself. He you know he he studied the uh, Bruce Lee arts, if you will. So what are you doing, beautician? What do you want? She, I don't know. Just do it, beautician. Say no more. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> a Nike symbol, yeah, that would that would explain things. That that would explain you know America in twenty twenty deuce reflectionized. But let's get back. You really think that the 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 Brainiac computer sounded like Michael Jai White? Absolutely. Once I knew it was him, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. And that's uh, what know, I figured. That's, I'm like, I'm I think he tried to. Wesley Snipes. 
he tried to like uh, corporate-fy his his voice on the computer, if you will. That's why I, I think it sounded a little bit more white-ish, in my humble opinion. Like I said, he was trying to sound computer-ish. How the hell that's okay. white? I don't know. The Siri don't sound white. She sounds like fucking Commodore sixty four is what she sounds. Well, like. if he if he was gonna sound computerish, he should he should have sounded Japanese because they that's all the best products by right, nineteen ninety nine. Right. But neither here nor there. That's a that's a humbling opinion from the professor. But he got wind of what the United States government was was gonna do, so he took it upon himself to make more unit soldiers and to you know to create the perfect body for himself. So now here comes the plot, TW. Now. He uh, he takes over the Unisol plant, if you will. So now it's up to Jean-Claude Van Damme and a bunch of, you know, army rangers to try to thwart the Unisoldiers. Now, T.W., here's another plot hole in my humble opinion before we talk about the titties of the strip club. We'll get to that <laughs> in a second. But I lost count on the Unisoldiers because I thought it started right. like, it was like eight. I thought there was like eight to ten with Goldberg leading the bunch. But after like Michael Jai White started, you know, once Michael Jai White got, you know, alive, if you will, resurrected, how many did you count? Because I, I lost count after 30. It's, it felt like it was 30 to 50. I don't know. Just, just, so, just me. So here's, here's the problem, which is what I thought you were about to say. When everything hit the fan and they had the camp set up and all that outside the uh, that whatever the fuck it was barrack, it was the plane. It was the Unisol plane. The guy was sitting there and Von Dom goes, "How many have you seen?" And he said, "About two busloads, right?" So two busloads you figure would be about fifty, like twelve per side, depending mm-hmm. on how big the bus is. And then Jean Claude goes, "Okay, that leaves about twelve inside still with uh, with Seth." He goes, I can get him, and he, or with Romeo, whatever he said, because Seth wasn't a person yet. He was the computer. So he goes, I can handle that. I'm going to go in. Yet, he's just ending motherfuckers, and it was way more than 12 inside. And there's people come. They're dropping from the ceiling. There's not even a catwalk up there. I'm like, where the fuck did they come from? They're literally like they're just hanging up in the ceiling like, all right, we're the surprise attack. We're the blue mm-hmm. blazers up here just waiting to drop down. And they're coming down with the damn ropes. But. They were the same guys that he already wrecked. Clearly, they spent their budget on Von Damm, Keanu Tom, and that general is a B-movie legend. I don't remember his damn name, but that guy's been in a ton of shit on Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, but mm-hmm. Keanu Tom, Goldberg, and Von Damm was their budget because they they literally – And Spawn. Just, don't forget Spawn. Oh, and Michael – well, he was relatively new, though, wasn't he, by, by 99? He was – he well, might have done Spawn. Spawn. He, he was Spawn considered Tom. a – yeah, he was well, fucking bombed. <laughs> He's but, considered uh, a, an actor of demand, I guess. I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't know. I feel like they got him because they couldn't get Wesley Snipes. So, but uh, <laughs> I don't mean that as a knock to him. Here, here's a perfect example. Okay. In the in the late '90s, early 2000s, maybe not even in the '90s, because that's a long time ago, and I can't remember that half the time. But whenever I saw a movie and Chris Pratt was in it, I went, oh. They couldn't get uh, what's what's Paul Rudd? He literally was Paul Rudd in the movie that couldn't get Paul Rudd. Okay. Now they're both in freaking Marvel, and Chris Pat's a bigger star. But in those movies, like my, and then finally they made one together, My Idiot mm. Brother. Right. Uh, where no no, what's the movie where Paul Rudd is 
like basically gets dumped by his wife and then goes to the compound with Jennifer Aniston. Uh, I don't know. I think it's I don't my watch... idiot brother. I think it's my idiot I, brother. I guess. I'll, I'll take Paul your Rudd. word for it. I don't watch a lot of Chris Pratt movies. Paul, no, this was a Paul Rudd movie. He oh. got dumped by the chick from Step Brothers. It's always banging Shake and Bake. Okay. Uh, she's, ma- she's married to, what's his name's real brother, Derek, and she's banging uh, Brendan, and, or not Brendan, but whatever the other fucking guy's name Will Ferrell. No, she's banging his brother, or the other one, the curly head, John C. McRiley. John C. Riley, yeah. Riley. She's banging him, that shit. She's a comedian and everything. She's uh, Agatha Harkness and Scarlet Witch and okay. uh, Vision. Anyway, she dumps him for Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt's living with her and kicks Paul. I'm like, holy shit, they're in the same movie finally. And like they and Chris Pratt is his lawyer in another movie. He's, or his accountant mm-hmm. or whatever. But anyways, that I'm saying Michael Jai White at that point in their career, Wesley Snipes is a bigger star. They couldn't get him. They got Michael Jai White. I would argue at some point Michael Jai White was a bigger star. Now they're both just kind of fell off. But at one yeah. point Michael Jai White was bigger demand than Wesley Snipes. I'll give you that. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to deny that. It wasn't a saying. knock on. It wasn't a knock on Michael Jai White. I, I, I like him in movies. Like if he's got a small part, whatever. He's somebody that if I see him in a movie, I'm, I'm like, oh, cool. I'm glad he's in it. You're right, but Spawn didn't make the money that they were hoping right. for. So yeah, maybe they needed Blade, but neither here nor there. So again, Jean Claude Van Damme, and then I lose count because again, you and I, I guess, agree. There's a lot more unit soldiers than they counted. I counted 50. Oh, there was something going on, too. They Remember when it all went down, they were taking dead bodies in there, and the dude goes, who authorized this? And then Goldberg did the choke and said, we did, like they were mm-hmm. taking over. So oh, they didn't I, add people. I want to I focus on Bill Goldberg throughout this movie with certain scenes, but let me just try to get to the plot here a little bit. They kind of rehashed the first universal soldiers uh plot if you will tw when it came to the reporter because in the first one jean-claude van damme interacted with another reporter trying to get the scoop again about the unisol unisoldiers project this they did the same thing again now this is a twist because jean-claude van damme is supposed to be the good guy trying to like make these universal soldiers good guys if you will so i'm just trying to read they rehashed that plot again. Of course, you need a love interest for Jean-Claude Van Damme, and the reporter became a love interest because his wife died mysteriously, and now he's got a 10-year-old daughter, who, by the way, because of the because of the unit soldiers reflectionites, uh, you know, going offline and doing what they want to do, there was interactions that caused Jean-Claude Van Damme's daughter to suffer from brain, she suffered from a brain hematoma after, you know, going against the universal soldiers, whatever. Again, this has got to be a plot. Like you said, there's plot holes, <laughs> but they're trying to make sense about this. But now, I don't want to go into like certain bits and pieces of it, but let's talk about Goldberg's acting chops. Again, technically, this is Bill Goldberg's acting debut, TW. You even said it yourself, the writing was piss poor for Bill Goldberg. He was meant to play a straight-shooting dead guy who was reanimated, so he he shouldn't have a big vocabulary, if you will. Right. So what and to say his, you about... In his defense, he doesn't even talk that much at WCW. You know what I mean? So, like, mm-hmm. you're asking a lot of this guy, and that's what I'm saying. His lines were cheesy, so you give him a pass, and he's green. 
But right. they're just – I mean, Austin could get away with some of that stuff, but it would still be cheesy because the writing is bad. Like, right. I might have popped for the first – I hate this guy. That might have – you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. after he says it every time, it's like, come on, man. But you knew why they picked him, because he was chiseled, he was big, and of course, I, I'm not going to say he did his own stunts, but you could tell that Bill Goldberg did maybe 75% of the action before anything got really rough, and they didn't want to, you know, WCW's like, no, nah, we're not going to, you know, endanger our golden goose with some of your flimsy uh, action scenes. What say you about the action sequences that you saw Bill Goldberg did? Not only with Jean-Claude Van Damme, but there was a scene with the in the hospital where he took out, I think, about three or four hospital guards or whatever. He gave one the spear. The guy looked like one of the Beverly brothers. He fucking mm-hmm. speared him on the hard-ass floor, dude. I'm like, ouch. Um, I'm like, that guy, you can tell they picked the biggest guy to take that bump. And, but those guys held their own. Um, one one thing that I gotta say, and uh, I don't I don't know where to throw this in there, but throw it's it in anyway. regards it's in regards to Van Dam and and Goldberg, right? Okay. So the the blatantly obvious thing that they're ripping off here is Terminator, right? With the exception mm-hmm. of it's not from the future, it's not an actual robot, it's a reanimated human. But this is this is Terminator two all over, and it's Universal Soldier 2. Von Damme is the original 85 Terminator, and Von da- or Goldberg is the new one who's faster, stronger, tougher. Like, mm-hmm. like even though Von Damme is a unisol, he's almost like fighting a regular man. Like, Michael Jai White no-sells his punches. Uh, Goldberg no-sells his punches. But they do react to kicks, more than they do the regular Ham and Eggers trying to fight them. Like, those guys go down easy. But it's obvious that without saying this is the new improved version, they just call Van Damme a former Unisol, right? And mm-hmm. then Eric's explain why he's Unisol former. You said it because his conscience didn't want him doing it anymore, which probably is from the first movie, which I never saw. Um, so, but that's, that's, what's, that's why he's perfect because, like, right around that time, if he isn't already mayor of California, he's coming down. He's not, but Arnold was out of the game. So, you know, Hogan was going to be the next Arnold. Why not Goldberg be the next Arnold, right? Arnold's not the greatest actor either, right? And his mm-hmm. first movies, they someone did it. He, he lip-synced to someone else's voice because of his accent. You know, but, it's it's funny you say that. I mean, you know, Arnold was waning down a little bit. So, you know, he did kind of like spot appearances because it was 99 here. <laughs> he did Batman. He did Batman for, yep. uh, Batman and Robin. He was Mr. Freeze, and then that, that flopped too. So he wasn't making those big budget, right. multi million dollar budget classics if you will and then of course by 2004 he was the he was the governor right. of california so right. well he was but a you're right first. there was a was hole a to, to fill his spot if you will right. Right. Goldberg was goldberg that goldberg. person i don't think so i mean that's just me he didn't turn out to be that person but i'm saying that's probably what they're shooting for right but it this was, movie it, it could have been if if this movie was a a hundred million dollar automatic box office hit for Goldberg, maybe they would have tried to steer him in the Schwarzenegger column, but it you didn't go it. there. It went to rock. You nailed it. You'll nail, you nailed it. I was going to say that. Mm-hmm. Suburban Commando wasn't. Universal Soldier wasn't. 
But The Rock was in a movie that was already a guaranteed hit, The Mummy Returns, when he was mm-hmm. Scorpion King. His movie ended up being low budget because it was New Line Cinema. wasn't It was more WWE films and whatever, and it didn't blow up. But mm-hmm. he already got his feet wet in a movie that probably made $100 million. So The Rock, I told you before, if Austin or, or Hogan or Goldberg would have had the advice that whoever gave The Rock to, hey, man, you don't have to be the man in the movie. Just be in the movie that's going to be a movie that's in the theater. And he's in Be Cool. He He's dumb in Be Cool, right? Mm-hmm. And we did the rundown. I love the rundown. So when I say this isn't the worst movie we've seen, Zombies vs. Wrestlers, it's it's neck and neck with Suburban Commando for, for cheese. And obviously we couldn't get Arnie, so we took you. We couldn't get Arnie, so we got you. And back then... Like, The Expendables, one of the cool things about The Expendables is, is you got all these guys working together who didn't work together when they were popular. It was WCW versus WWF back then because Arnold had his franchises, Stallone had his, Bruce Willis mm-hmm. had his, all these guys. And, and, you know, Dolph Lundgren was the heel in, in Rocky movies, but but they all had their brands and they all had their studio deals. Like, like I was just watching a documentary on Tom Cruise. I didn't realize. I just watched all six Mission Impossibles in, like, three days. The middle ones aren't paramount because when mm-hmm. all that shit went down with uh, Scientology, they dropped them. So the, the the ones that are great, Fallout and Ghost Protocol, whatever, those aren't paramount. They're they're all bad robot. Oh, okay. But Paramount wasn't the distributor. The next two are paramount again, just like Maverick. But nice. but all those guys didn't work together because they all had. So Von Dom in 1999 probably was hoping let's get. Let's get Schwarzenegger to be this guy, but they can't. So, like, well, fuck, this guy's bigger, stronger, and younger. Let's get Goldberg. Why not? Because it, he's perfect. Goldberg, he's perfect. Whereas you Hulk Hogan's it. terrible as Suburban Commando because he's, he's long in the tooth. He's fucking still wearing a damn skullet. Goldberg mm-hmm. looks like fresh meat. Like, he, it, he's perfect in this. And, and wasn't Goldberg in, a, in a, one of the Expendables? I know Austin was in one of them. But is Goldberg in one of them? I don't remember. I, you're right. Austin wasn't one of the Expendables. Maybe Goldberg was in, in like a bit cameo role for right. it. Right. He was a henchman. He wasn't anything. Goldberg did a couple of, uh, uh, he did a movie with Adam Sandler, The the Longest Yard. I remember that. Yep. Yep. But, Austin's in that too. Yeah. So going back into this movie, again, you're right, T.W. Goldberg was the perfect physical choice. He was the best physical right. specimen to do this, but he didn't have a track record. He didn't have a movie resume for people to kind of flock to him. So Jean-Claude Van Damme was hoping that the wrestling audience would carry over and make this a $100 million box office success. But there's one thing that Jean-Claude Van Damme forgot to, to, to realize. Wrestling fans are not going to flock to everything just to support a wrestler. It has to right. make sense. It's got to be good because if that was the case, then Hulk Hogan movies like the Suburban Commando and all his other you know, atrocities or Thunder of Paradise would have been a number one uh, rated television show. We would have supported that to the death of it. We don't. If it sucks, it sucks. So with that being said, TW, let's go back to your favorite part of, of Universal Soldier. Here's another plot hole in this. While the you know while Seth is trying to gain control of the uni, Unisol plant and the 50 to 100 Unisols that are you know are, you know guarding the plant you know against the army and the navy and the and the marines, 
Jean-Claude Van Damme and this reporter is scurrying to find a computer to like hack in to what's going on and how did Seth and try try to track down Seth's timelines and his online uh you know operations, if you will. Where does they where do they go to find a computer? They go to a strip club, TW, because the strip <laughs> club has the best computer Wi-Fi networks in the country. So TW, if you want to talk about the strip club, you want to talk about the 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 plastic, the the plastics that you saw, well, go ahead. Have fun with it. It was this is like I appreciate that I got to see what I got to see. I'm not gonna lie. However, it was so unnecessary, right? And when they walk in, it's from from the minute that scene starts, it's like, come on. Right away, Von Damme looks up and goes, "Woo, boobies!" Like he did when he saw Keanu's at the tree, right? Which mm-hmm. he's a dead guy who died in Vietnam, which would have been 30 years ago. I guess that's when he turns into Dirty Grandpa. So yeah, that makes sense now that I think about it. But and then right away, the chick sits at the fucking stage to stare at. Like if you're gonna be inconspicuous, the chick's sitting in the back corner. She's not going stage side. No, no, she then was it, in the back. She was at the bar. The report was at the bar. Dude, he was. He dude, was she was sitting right at the thing where the chicks were stancing right in front of her. No, that was no, but that was no, that was the back, and there was uh, it was kind of like I a just, stage I for just, the chick. I just know that the chick comes up immediately and hits on her. Fun fact: that one hundred percent would happen. Every every single thing there, because the first thing a girl does when she sees a woman come in there is go, "I'm got that's mine," right? Because they hate mm-hmm. men, and also because they know if there's a girl there with a guy, they're making more money because one of them spending money and the other one getting a dance all damn night. But but then it turned into her being, "I'm here with a guy, and I'm here, I'm here. I, like today." Oh, that's homophobic. She should have just took her back and give it her a spin. You know, like they uh, stop fighting it. You know, you got a tendency, but but then. What's the next thing? And now, I don't know about you. There's a lot of bo- A1 from Impact Wrestling was a bouncer at Studio Four. Test was a bouncer when Bret Hart discovered him. I don't know if it was a strip club, but I don't know about you. I would not want to fight a bouncer at a titty bar because they're next level compared to like the fucking corner bar or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Von Dom made them all look like patsies. Now I know it's Von Dom. I get it. Mm-hmm. But he also made him look dumb and headbuttsome, and they drop with one punch, and then he runs. And, Let's go! And then the girl looks like, oh, you cock blocker, when he walks out of there. But I just thought, man, this, why? And then when they were titties, I'm like, my kids are sitting right there, because I'm like, ah, titty, strip club. I don't think I'm watching on Tubi. It's going to be, you know, whatever. And so I heard, it's fucking bullshit. I'm like, whoa, they're cussing too? I'm like, what's happening here? But, Tubi is not a family app. It's just right, those it's commercials. Oh, okay. And cussing and nudity is usually not in stuff because they don't think Kraft macaroni and cheese is going to advertise on there. <laughs> Dude, all those shows on A&E, they're technically cable. So that, mm-hmm. that's, they can, that's why if you pay attention on The Shield or Rescue Me or Sons of Anarchy, you will see side boob every episode. They're of always course. there. And you'll hear shit and ass yeah. all the time now. Right. Yeah. And you, you could do it on Monday Night Raw and they would not get fined for popping titties. But Coke, Pepsi, McDonald's, and Sprite are not going to sponsor ad on there because they're trying to advertise for families and stuff like that, which I asked the question, who fucking cares? You you advertise on family shows, and then you also you, advertise you know, on that. You know that meme about Coke, Pepsi, and all that? There's always these companies, if McDonald's ain't going to do it, 
they own something else where that is the sponsor right. of it. So right. they're technically sponsoring it. So it, it is right. what it is. But who cares? Like, I don't care. If there's a family out there going, oh, we eat McDonald's all the time because they're always sponsoring Saturday morning cartoons. But once we saw they sponsored Monday Night Raw, we're boycotting it. Fuck that lady and her family because there's not very many of them. Because people eat McDonald's because it's convenient, not because they advertise at the Super Bowl. Like, to me, the biggest waste of money ever is Pepsi, Coke, and McDonald's and all them spending millions of dollars at the Super Bowl. What are they thinking? Someone's going to be sitting at the Super Bowl going, man, I, I, want, a Coke. I want a Coke right now, and they're going to leave? No. Nope. They're going to keep watching other commercials and then watch the football game. And so it's the dumbest logic ever to spend a million dollars on a 30-second commercial. When I eat McDonald's, it ain't because I saw it in the commercials because I'm fucking hungry. That's right, yeah. and I'm near it. So, so you you be, but you believe in the universal soldier logic that the strip club had the best computer Wi-Fi network that could crack the code and you know break into the U.S. government's online uh, circuitry, right? Their security right. it because, can be broken that, into and hacked also, into. Because the logic is they also have kitty porn on it and all that, so they ah. transmit to Epstein Island. So that's why they went to this strip club. See, you made it make sense. Now I'm not even angry <laughs> about that plot hole or nitpicking anymore. So let's talk about the main event, if you will, the TW. The main event. The main event. Of course, they go back to the Unisol plant because they got to blow up. Well, the, the army, the, the general, the B-movie general, as you were saying, said, no, we have no choice. We got to blow up the plant with these uh, soldiers in there. But Jean-Claude Van Damme must rescue his daughter who is now held hostage, but Michael Jai White has a soft spot in his heart for Jean-Claude Van Damme's daughter. He is curing her brain hematoma, but he wants her to become a unisoldier too. So Jean-Claude Van Damme is, you know, racing the clock, if you will, TW. He must save his daughter and prevent her from becoming a universal soldier. So, of course, the main event fight is Jean-Claude Van Damme Versus Black Dynamite. Now, here's the problem here, TW, because, again, I think you touched on it a little bit. Technically, Jean-Claude Van Damme is from the first set of Unis soldiers. These are the faster upgrades, if you will. Right. But he, he is technically human. So you even said it that they feel they're, they're affected by Jean-Claude Van Damme's kicks, not his punches. I get you. But... Jean-Claude Van Damme is human, so when the Uter soldiers are punching him or kicking him, it should hurt not only 10 times more, but he should have a broken rib. He should have right. a cracked sternum. What say you about that broken logic, in my humble opinion? Not only that, but they busted out the, uh, the sugar glass that John Moxley used at Blood and Guts because he's all over that shit and not one cut. Mm -hmm. they, again, they spent all their budget on Goldberg, Keanu Tom, Michael Jai White, and Van Damme. They didn't have any money left over for ketchup for blood because, dude, he's he went through. I lost you lost count of universal soldiers. I lost count of windows broken and him rolling around in the glass and getting up with zero cuts. Hey, I Goldberg like got ran over by a truck. He didn't bleed, right? Go and then so, he moved his hand and then pumped the air out of the tire. That too. So, in the end, reflection: as Jean Claude Van Damme defeats Michael Jai White, he freezes him. And then does the now you say like the Terminator that they stole something from the Terminator? They stole that from the Terminator too because he freezes Michael Jai White 
and does the you know the Jean Claude Van Damme patent kick, kick in the head yep. to you know destroy the the uh, the perfect body if you will. So now Seth is offline, but there's still one more person left out of the fifty soldiers. Forty nine of them are dead. There's one still alive, and guess who it is? Bill Goldberg. Romeo. But then it becomes yeah. a handicap match because right. who appears again? She is now a universal soldier now. They upgraded her. Your favorite, Kiana Tom. So you got to see Kiana Tom not once but twice. So you had to you had to get a second towel, right, TW? Or am I right. wrong? Oh, okay. No, I'm too I'm too over a second towel. That'll be tomorrow. So you just recycled the first one. Oh God, it was crinkly. Oh God. <laughs> it tries. So let me ask you this, TW. Again, I'm probably going to ask you the same question here, but. Goldberg's value in this movie was his look, obviously. It wasn't his acting chops. Right. I think, to me, if we grade him on his acting abilities, is a D. But for the purpose of why he was there, I'm going to give him a C because he made up for it because of his look. He made up for it because at least the fight scenes made sense. And, of course, they incorporated his spears and wrestling maneuvers. What what grade do you give Goldberg as we get out of here? The most important thing you can be in this movie is present. And he's present. He's all in. He gives us all. I would absolutely give him an A+. Now, I'm giving him the A+, and the fact that it's his first gig. If he was this way, and while we were talking, you probably always think I'm playing games and texting people. I was looking through his uh, IMDb. He's got a lot of fucking movies. I did not have, I had no idea. So, he's got a lot of B movies. He's got a lot of made right, for right, cable but, movies. But he was on eight episodes of the Goldbergs. I didn't know that. Makes sense. He was coached somebody or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But he was on NCIS for four episodes. And so he, he's in a lot of stuff. So God bless him. That, that does two things for me. That makes me go, wow, you know, good for him. He pursued it. And it yeah. also makes me go, he doesn't need to wrestle, but he still does it. And my biggest problem with Goldberg, I've said it on this show many times, was he was a guy in it for the paycheck. I don't feel he's that way anymore. As someone who came back to wrestling in 2010 so my kids could see me wrestle, mm -hmm. him coming back for his son to see him wrestle, I respect that. The fact that he had a shit match with Undertaker in Saudi Arabia so he couldn't let that be his last one and he came back and did more, I, I think he's given back now, right? So when I see that he's in these other movies, but that movie being his first one, him doing way more in that movie than he did any kind of talking for WCW. Um, I, I, A plus, because he was present. He didn't look like he was phoning it in. Now, I said this to you, and obviously it's going to look like I'm knocking AEW, but I've hated this guy even when he wasn't there. Watching the first 20 minutes of, of 12 rounds, the 17th sequel with, with Ambrose, he's phoning it in. And I get it. It's a different style of movie. He's supposed to be trying to be a badass and grit, inner turmoil. Like, he's trying to win an Oscar or not an ESPY. But that's not John Moxley acting. That's Dean Ambrose acting, phoning it in for WWE. Right, but that's what I mean. He, he just looks like he just, hey, man, they're paying me to do this. Goldberg never once came across that way to me. And for the record, for all you people that call me a stan or whatever, that's still a stupid-ass term, uh, Goldberg was in WCW at this time, and I'm, I'm praising him. I'm not shitting on him because he was WCW, you know, and I didn't shit on WCW. I just, mm -hmm. everybody's got to pick a side. Mine has universally been WWE, 
but there's a reason they've been around for 50 years. So 40, whatever it is. Not to go clear the cool. Not to clear up any uh, confusion for all the reflectionites. Was Universal Soldier: The Return a box office hit? TW. The budget for this movie was was 45 million dollars. What they made domestically, TW. If you want to do the math, 30 dollars US. 11 million dollars. So the math is so they were in debt after the movie came out. So they, that they answers the salary back. That's it. I think like you said, whatever they made domestically, they gave to Jean-Claude, they gave to Kiana, Michael Jai White, and Goldberg. And with that being said, you know, and logistically this was a TriStar Pictures production distributed by Sony Pictures. And with that being said, Reflectionites, we close on another great PWR at the movies. And again, in my humble opinion, if you got nothing else to watch, if HBO Max is in the shitter, if uh, if uh, what, what what we got, Disney Plus is in the shitter, go on Tubi TV and or just, Pluto, it's or Pluto. Both. Well, for me, I got the Tubi TV that's commercial free. I don't get commercials anymore. I oh, found yeah? a way to get around that. So neither here nor there. I'll teach you. I'll teach you. Don't worry. I will teach you. It, it, it's not, it's it's kind of tricky because I don't know if it works on a Fire Stick. It works on an Android TV. So that's how I got it. But I don't know if it still works anymore. But go on Tubi TV, Reflectionites. Watch these wrestling movies they got. And they got Universal Soldier The Return. So, TW, give out those socials so we can get out of here officially. Oh, before you do that, next week, hopefully... If TW doesn't get drunk and flash titties anymore on the weekends, we don't know. Go back dumb, to dumb, work. Dumb, I'll, I'll be ready to do it. Dumb dumb doing it, idiot. You never know. But I'm just I'm just trying to give a disclaimer. But next week we're gonna do a special spotlight, and I find it apropos TW. You know, I wanted to do a robberies, but A and E kind of beat me to it. They were they did Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle, so I said I'm not gonna copy them. So I'm gonna flip it. I'm gonna go to the NWA side to do this spotlight untapped potential faction we're going to focus what the ding dongs no we're not doing the ding dongs we're doing something better we're going to focus on a trio that hasn't been i don't think respected enough in my humble opinion we're going to talk about the what the russians no we're going to talk about the taskmaster kevin sullivan mike rotunda the dog face gremlin rick steiner And Dr. Death, Steve Williams, That's four the original Varsity Club that ran from 88 to 89. I figured they deserve a pro wrestling spotlight. Maybe it's not like a popular it. choice for I a like lot of reflectionites, but I don't care because I think you need to learn from myself and TW how Listen, great and valuable the Varsity Club was. That, spoiler alert for What's all that? you uppity-ass, not you, all you uppity-ass People who two of those three guys have sons that you're watching right now. Well, one of them is fucking holding up business for a year, but the mm-hmm. son of one is an NXT champion, and the son of the other one, everyone's waiting with bated breath to see where he ends up. And if you don't know already, you have to listen to the show to find out who they are. Absolutely. So TW, give out those socials so we can officially get out of here. Alrighty, the Pro Wrestling Coalition Network is... You're on probation, PWC. 
So this might yes. be the last time he shouts them out. So go ahead, TW. Every, I'm sorry. Every time I go to say them, I'm waiting for you to say, no, 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 not them anymore. But uh, PWC Network at Podbean.com. We're at PW Reflection. This is Twitter. Um, and then also, Big Ray Hernandez. Can't do it without him. Our buddy, I hope you're back to good. You had a little scare this week. Uh, at Big Ray Hernandez. Uh, my Twitters are at TommyWonder19 or at the Tommy Wonder. Also, at the Tommy Wonder is my TikTok, and at Tommy Wonder 19 is my Instagram. My Snapchat is number wonder, Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. And then there's the Big Vito brand where you can find them at bigvitobrand.wixsite.com and patreon.com backslash the Big Vito brand. And of course, you can find me on my Twitter at PWSOPROF. That's PWSOPROF. And of course, if this gets uploaded by 8 Track Brown, the dirtiest of the city, this will be available on the PWSO YouTube networks. And of course, follow my brothers in arms, Billy Ray Valentine. He's got the documents. He already knew the. Uh, the, the, the plot by both the Democrats and the Republicans to divide and conquer the United States with the abortion bullshit, the uh, January 6th committee bullshit, every other bullshit that's been, you know, the Hunter Biden conspiracy. This was all perpetrated by both Dems and Repubs, but neither here nor there. He's got the, the swamp. The swamp. Follow him at Obi-Wan, you know me. And of course, the king of the reactions, 8 Track Brown at 8 Track Dastly. And of course, next week again, the pro wrestling spotlight. We are going to. We're going to do a spotlight on the Varsity Club here on the PWS Networks at Podbeam.com. And for the time being, I'm the professor. That's Dr. Freakenstein, Mr. Wonderful himself, the Tommy Wonder, saying goodnight. And we'll see you next week here on the PWR Podcast. Peace. Crush him. That's all that matters.